is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! And midcourt, extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! Down the sideline! Peoples Jones! Touchdown, Wolverine! Welcome to Blue by 90, your Michigan Wolverines podcast. We are three dudes who talk maize and blue. I'm Kalen, joined by Jack Rowe, and today our special guest from 24-7 Sports, Zach Shaw. What's up, guys? Thanks for having Zach. me on. Yeah, Thanks man. Thanks on. for joining. Little little Raptors baseball reunion. Yes, oh, the Raptors. Oh, my God. I forgot about that until you just said it. Uh, shout out to Coach Brock, who uh, ended up being my JV baseball coach, too, so... When I was oh, 10, I was like, I'll never see him again. Never see him again. He was kind of rough. He, that was his shtick. He, was, he would yell at eight-year-olds like they were oh, adults. And yeah. then uh, I was like, oh, I'll never see him again. I saw him again <laughs> in high school. And then he goes to some of the basketball press conferences, and I'm like, what the? Can't <laughs> 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 get rid of this guy. From now. But love, love the work he did. He, awesome. he, he helped us grow, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely definitely uh, taught us how to be uh, yelled at and take it like uh, like an eight-year-old should. Nice, nice, Bill. Made us all into the players we are today. <laughs> and for, for people out there that don't know, so Jack, Kalen, and Zach all went to middle school together in Ann Arbor. I'm the lone wolf over here, but they've got all the memories. So I might just stand back and let you guys, you know, talk it out, talk it out today. <laughs> Yeah, Zach. So thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, you're still in Ann Arbor, right? Yep, yep. About a about a mile from the stadium. Which for a long time, you know, long time followers know I, I lived on Hoover and um, and Division for a long, long time, but moved out on the stadium or off the stadium, kind of near uh, the bowling alley. So life is good. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, sometimes you know, Michigan fans. They can have their annoying moments and, and you know, be living in Michigan no. with annoying moments more in the December to February variety. But it's, uh, you know, close to family, close to friends, uh, covering a team I know probably too much about at this point. You know, you talk about those 10,000 hours, you become a master. So we're, we're well past that. But, uh, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, glad, glad to see you guys are, are getting into the game a little bit, too. Yeah, trying, man. Not not quite to your level yet. We got a long ways to go, but uh, we're we're doing our best. That's for sure. Oh, people letting us drink beers on the podcast, you'll uh, you'll get the guests lining up pretty soon. Oh yeah, <laughs> ski, that, ski Patrol is a great beer as well. Love Ski Patrol over there. Shout out to my roommate who moved out three days ago, and in the move he left a few of those behind. So we're enjoying there it. You go. Nice. Yeah, his ex roommate. <laughs> Yeah, Wait, so, I, are I mean, you saying are you saying Michigan fans can be insufferable at sometimes? I, oh, I, I said annoying. Uh-uh. That. <laughs> never, no chance. No way. Oh uh, uh, well, you know what? I, I've I've gotten a lot better with it because I think when I was like 22, 23, kind of first getting into first time dealing with radio callers, you know, dealing with the message boards, it was kind of like, guys, what are we doing here? But then, <laughs> then you realize, and and I've talked to other colleagues, and it's it's. I mean, first of all, I sympathize, and maybe it's a discussion that we'll touch on later on the show. I mean, Michigan fans have been through 
you compare it to other like quote unquote good football programs, they've been through the ringer, you know, in terms of droughts against rivals and droughts with conference titles. I mean, every school seems like they get lucky one year at least. Like like you know like a, uh, an Auburn just kind of sneaks in and beats Alabama or, or whatever. Michigan and it's I mean it's crazy. The last quarterback of a top a team that finished in the top five for Michigan was Tom Brady. As as wild as that is, I mean. I mean, Missouri snuck into the top five one year, you know, so it's, <laughs> I, I, I sympathize with it. And here's, here's the real thing is, is um, the frustration or the insufferability, your word, not mine, the annoying, <laughs> uh, it, it comes from passion. And I think that's what's, that's one thing that I really, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, not a fan. I'm, I'm an objective reporter, but I do acknowledge and respect the heck out of Michigan for how, how much its fans care and, and how much support they show, not just for, you know, the big rivalry games, but they fill up the stadium. Well, not maybe not this year, but every other year they fill up the stadium. They fill it up for softball. They fill it up for basketball. So it's, I say annoying, but I say it with a little bit of a smile because it's, it's, it's part of the fun. You know, it's the back and forth. Uh, that's what these podcasts and that's what, um, you know, different stories and the, the interactions. I mean, that's, it'd be pretty boring if I, you know, had an opinion and everyone was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. it's not that fun you know the back and forth is is part of the part of the enjoyment very yeah, true, and I, very I, true. I, I say insufferable because i've been that guy before and i think we all have at some point right with it's just it's impossible not to like you said with how the last 20 years have went you know 15 years have went it's just been it, it hasn't been pretty at, at very many moments so yeah <laughs> Yeah, and uh, well, in some non-Michigan related news that I just want to touch on before we move on, um, some sports are starting to come back, right? NBA, um, I think they just got started with their like pre—I um, don't even know what to call it, pre-season, pre-what? I don't mean pre-playoff, pre-re-season, maybe. Yeah, there you go. It's just, it's called Duncan Robinson lighting <laughs> it up. That's what it is. <laughs> Dude, and then Karis LeVert is just carrying the nets over there. I mean, Carry. I think he lost by 20, but I think he might have had a good game. <laughs> uh, MLB is coming back, right? I think, what, tonight. this weekend? Tonight? Or tonight? Yeah. yeah. The Yankees uh, nets. They, they decided their playoff format like three hours before the season started. So. <laughs> Wasn't the, the deadline was like, we have to get this done before first pitch, and they waited about like <laughs> right up to first pitch? <laughs> Oh, man. Everything is going very well for sports right now. Very organized. Everyone knows what's going on. Good <laughs> work. And Zach and Kalen, Ro and I talked about it a little bit. Did you guys see uh, Fauci's first pitch? His ceremonial no. first pitch? Oh, man. It might have been worse. It might, it might take the cake for the worst first pitch ever. It's right up there with 50 Cent. I was, I was gonna, just going to yeah, say. 50 what? Cent. Was, it, was it Mariah Carey? It Probably was. It was really yeah. bad. Wait, what was so bad about it? Wait. Well, just it look, look in it up the left dugout. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it was not how good. it looks like he'd never touched a baseball in his life. Dude, this guy sounds like he, he needs Coach a... Brock. Dude, he does need. I just remember him, Coach Brock, yelling at Gordon Porter almost every day. <laughs> those, those are my flashback memories. <laughs> the best thing I saw about Fauci's pitch was. That it was a socially distant first pitch. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and setting the setting the standard <laughs> on par, on par. And I hope what? he says he did that on purpose. <laughs> They're piping in crowd noise there too to make it like the atmosphere or whatever. 
Yeah, so I guess so. Baseball is for sure, and then basketball. I saw a couple things with like they even have video boards kind of throughout the stadium with like old videos of fans from previous years. So it's kind of they're trying to get the vibe. Um, but I I don't know. What do you guys? I want to ask the question too. You know, if we get to a point where Michigan has a has a season, what do we think? Are we Pro pumping in crowd noise is how is that going to work? Honestly, what I what I'd like to see is what they did with the NFL draft. Let the fans cheer live. I don't even know if that was live or not, but put them on the video boards and let them like pump that sound in. I like that. Some watch parties or something. Yeah, yeah. Might have to put it on a little bit of, of a delay. Not sure what people are going to be saying, you know. But uh, <laughs> I think I think that would be a fun idea for sure. I think they made people like sign off. Like, well, you had to apply. And then you had to like sign off saying, I won't do anything objectionable. I, I like the crowd noise to that question. I, I watched um, a good amount of the National Women's Soccer League this in the past month because they came back even earlier. And, you know, you watch it and you don't actually notice from a, from a um, TV viewer perspective, you don't actually notice the awkwardness if there's a noise. But, man, if you're you – know, think about how much I – mean, we you know, I think we all played – how much grunting or – or you know or swearing when you get older or you know it's just i mean it's it's probably better to have like at least like some sort of white noise i think the debate was crowd noise versus music i think basketball is a good music sport i don't think baseball i think they should just have kind of the the little fake organ and then like cheers (laughs) and booze when things happen yeah the only thing i hope with the crowd noise is that anytime a manager or coach comes out of the dugout to to fight with an umpire Turn it down. I want to hear exactly what he's saying at all times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I heard they're not allowed to because that's um, breaking the social distancing protocols. They're not allowed to argue anymore. <laughs> oh, I wonder how that's going to work. Well, maybe well, if we uh, pump some crowd noise in, we'll make the big house loud again. Oh, oh there we go. There we go. Like the tie in there. I like that tie in. Yeah. Well, I will say this with with just the big house in, in specific, you know, they're talking about should they do like like we said fake crowd noise or if there are 10 to 15,000 fans put mics in the stands and amplify that to make it more organic and but then again i can just hear somebody in row 1 you know that's saying f jim harbaugh you know and all of a sudden <laughs> that is boomed over the entire big house you know so it's like, what do you do there? And then on the other hand, too, is, okay, so you if there's fake crowd noise and they have it there and then they bring it down when the play starts, like a nor- you know, like they do with the music and the band, then it's all of a sudden dead silent for the whole play. And then you hear that grunting like you just said, Zach. You know, it's going to be weird no matter what they do. Yeah, I assume with, you know, that many people in the big house uh, – I can only say it would be similar to like the spring game maybe or something in that realm. I've been to an open practice where they estimated they had 10,000 fans and it was still like, I mean, everything's going to be weird about this year. Like there's no, um, you know, I think as soon as the sooner fans can let weird happen. I mean, we just talked about it, you know, with baseball, they decided their postseason format like an hour before the season started. It's all going to be weird and it doesn't, it doesn't have to suck. I mean, it's going to be obviously not what it normally is, but what it normally is is pretty pretty great. I mean, I love college football. It's it's the coolest thing 
I'd argue about the entire country. And, and so, you know, it won't be at that level, but it can still be, I mean, if you have 10,000 fans, I mean, I've been at that open practice. It, it's kind of a unique vibe. It kind of feels like a packed high school game or a, you know, small college game. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh's talked about, he coached at San Diego, the Toreros, and they would get like 4,000 fans at these games. And I mean, there's, there's kind of a unique aspect of it. So yeah, I think if they let, if they let fans in and if they play, I guess there's two ifs there, but let them make their noise. They'll make their noise. But otherwise, yeah, you probably need some white noise or else. I mean, honestly, like what are, what are um, super jacked college kids going to say when they, you know, hit, hit each other. I think there's a penalty. I mean, it's just, you put, you put the hot mic on them too much. Uh, <laughs> whoever, whoever's running the, the mute button. I've done that before for the radio show. That's, um, that's a <laughs> we're going to get a workout in. <laughs> like the XFL, didn't they have a lot of hot mics and they had to oh, yeah. mute out basically half the show. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of loved it though. Like I would, I would, as mm-hmm. much as that is obviously uh, a problem, for a lot of fans, I think they would love to hear what they are saying, even if it is obscenities. I know when I was 18 to 22, I was not saying great things. I'll say that, you know, so you got grown I still it, don't, right? yes. And now I, you know, I'm very proper. <laughs> I, I haven't sworn, you know, since 2012. So I'm, we're all good now, except for last podcast, but that's fine. <laughs> Well, that doesn't count. Relapse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the scheduled program here. Um, so our first down, Michigan recruiting is doing great, but Ohio State is obviously on another level. How big is the difference between having the number one recruiting class and the number eight? How will that translate to the field in the next few years? Ro, this sounds like a question that you wrote. Uh, I assume that you have something to say on this. <laughs> It was really, I mean, it was a question towards Zach just because, and I know you're, you know, you're not Sam Webb that's like in the recruiting all the time, but you're around it, obviously, with working for 247. And just it really is, you know, we've seen, obviously, Ohio State's number one, and they are dominating, right? Like, the the so Ohio State's at number one in the 2021 class, and Michigan is at number eight, and the difference between... Michigan and the number two uh, class is closer than it is two to one. So it's just, that's how bad or not bad, but that's how big Ohio state's lead is in their recruiting. And I want to know, you know, what is that going to do in the 2021, 2022, 2023 on the field? How big is that difference from number one to number eight? When you have five, five stars instead of one. Yeah, to me, it just, um, if I may go first, uh, to me, it just increases, it increases the pressure on Michigan to de- to deliver on producing their top players. So they can't really miss on any of these top guys. They have to be guys that they, they find a way to get them to produce. Because, you know, you look at the recruiting rankings, Clemson won a national title without a top 10 recruiting class. Now, obviously, they're in that, they're going to be in that top five forever and ever, but they, they got to that title point with really good development, a great quarterback, and obviously good enough coaching. So it, it's not – it's a big difference. Now we have to see where they finish. I don't know if Michigan will finish eight. I don't know if Ohio State will finish first. You know, this is going to be a – you know, talking to our recruiting analysts, this is a really weird year for recruiting because 
a whole bunch of players could decommit, you know, if they're allowed to visit other campuses. I think Ohio State's picked up six or seven out-of-state recruits who haven't even been to campus before, or if they have, it was just to drive by. Like, they haven't actually been in the facilities, met the coaches that much. And, and, and you know, other schools are going to be closer to home or people might make their decisions. So it's, it's kind of a weird year. We'll see where they finish. But if Ohio State finished first and if Michigan finished eighth, from a pure talent perspective, it would kind of be what's been going on the last few years. But I think the big difference is Michigan will have enough players to be a national title contender, but they have to, they can't have misses. They can't have five stars who transfer to Tennessee after producing like one and a half sacks. They can't have, you know, top 50 recruits who don't see the field until they're fifth year seniors. They can't have, you know, these four stars that don't even make it onto the team. You know, they, they, you know, transfer out before they even see a game at Michigan stadium. So I, I think I like Michigan, what their, what their approach has been and what their class has been. Obviously they have to close Rocco Spindler's a big name, Donovan Edwards. I think they can finish the top 10 class, Ohio state, you know, I, I, this might be a preview to my 90-second hot take, but Michigan might just just focus on – Michigan should focus on having the best class it can have. Ohio State, they've averaged like 11.5 wins a year for 20 years. They're, on, they're in that, you know, Oklahoma in the 70s, Miami in the 80s, Florida State in the 90s. They're in that kind of sphere where it's like, okay, if people are going to commit to them, they're going to commit to them. Michigan just can't miss – on these players. If JJ McCarthy looks like a first round draft pick by the time he's a you know sophomore or a junior, Michigan's probably in the mix for everything. They haven't had a first round draft pick since Jim Harbaugh. If um, you know, some of these top one hundred offensive linemen look like first or second round, because that's what our rankings are based on. Five stars are supposed to be first round picks, four stars are supposed to be other NFL draft picks, basically. And so you know, if they have 15 players that look like draft picks from this recruiting class, they're going to be in the mix. They'll, they'll contend with Ohio State. They'll contend with everybody. But it, it kind of thins the margin of error because if your goal, if your sole goal is beating Ohio State, well, basically you have to beat the nation's best team based on this recruiting ranking. So, yeah, it's, it's a big difference. I think Michigan fans, you know, they, they probably got to you know, keep their fingers crossed that Ohio State slips up at one point. Because it seems like every quarterback they throw out there is better than the last one. Uh, it's, it's really phenomenal. I mean, you think about they went from uh, Braxton Miller to JT Barrett, Cardell Jones won him a title, and then they, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. It's like they can't miss. So and Joe Burrow didn't even make it into that mix. So it's it's phenomenal what they're doing. But Michigan, I, I like their class, and and the one thing I like is that they haven't they haven't screwed the pooch on any recruitment. You know, there's no one that they've been like, they, they miscommunicated with or they, 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 you know, didn't contact them enough. Because that's, that's the big thing is you just got to make sure that you're not, you're, you're recruiting what you can recruit. Michigan, you look at what they've done the last five years, a number eight recruiting class is probably what you, the best you could expect given where they're located, given where the top prospects are located given the wins, because every recruit, they either want to contend for titles, go to the NFL, or both. And so I think eight is probably what's reasonable for Michigan. If Ohio State is going to have the best recruiting class in history, you just got to suck it up and find a way to develop around that. Hmm. 
Wow, that's a great response. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, did Mike warn you guys that I talk long? <laughs> he did not. But between you and Roe, it'll be a, this will be a good long episode here. <laughs> yeah, we we could go for for hours and hours here because I mean that is I mean every, you hit the nail on the head with pretty much everything you said there. You know if if Michigan isn't putting itself up against Ohio State. It's a great program. It's a great recruiting class year after year. So, but the problem is that's the rival. Right. That's the that's the the standard, right? So, and and there's just no way to. And I, I don't want to say there's no way, but there's. It, it's so tough to get that. Okay, greatest recruiting class in history. Come on, how is that possible to like? Have that be the 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 standard, you know, and so, but that's all that Michigan fans look at, which is understandable. And, and then I think about, you know, what you said about they can't miss on any of these recruits, and it just seems like over the last five years, ten years, fifteen years, all they've done is miss on big five star recruits. You know, <laughs> I look back at the Rashawn Garys, the Jabril Peppers. How many of these guys, you know, I. I would say the last one is like Charles Woodson, you know, that they're like, okay, five-star guy, you know, Spaff said this on a, on our podcast as well, five-star guy. And you actually got everything you could out of him. These we're not, we didn't get, I, I hate to say we, but Michigan did not get, you know, five-star quality out of Rashawn Gary. They did not get five-star quality out of Jabril Peppers. So, that's where I think it's it's different, and I, I guess a, another question then would be, you know, what's the difference? What is Ohio State doing different that makes them develop five different quarterbacks in the last five years that are all like, you know, could be the Heisman possibly or have won a national title, and the one guy that misses out that had to transfer because he couldn't make it into the starting lineup went and won a <laughs> national title and a Heisman and r- broke the record for touchdowns somewhere else. Where's the difference there? Yeah, it's it's a fair question. By, by the way, I would say Jabril Peppers and Rashawn Gary might not be the people you want to pick on. I'd, I'd go after, if you were to say five stars they don't produce, maybe a Derek Green and Aubrey Solomon. Oh, God. Yeah. And, I mean, there are, you know, those two, to, to Peppers and, and Gary's credit, they did end up as first-round draft picks. So, in theory, but, but, they didn't. I know what you mean. I, say? I was just going to say, you know, Okay, yes, they are first-round talents, but did they have first-round production at Michigan? Jabril Peppers did unbelievable. I think I actually think he was underrated, but he only ended up with one interception is in his career. You know, Rashawn Gary, although with injuries, you know, it just seems like the the five stars at other schools, including Ohio State, they get the production in college. And they get the first-round talent. They get the first-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, they had the Bosa's. They had the Young, or Chase Young, the Young. The Bosa's, <laughs> Chase Young. And, you know, Jeff Okuda was a five-star. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and you do have to, I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you probably should be tipping your cap to Ohio State. Because whatever, you know, their hit rate is very high. They don't have, you know, they have, a, everyone has five stars that don't turn out to be five stars in college. and And that's... Maybe that's on the recruiting analysts, you know, at 24-7 and other places. Maybe that's on the player. Maybe it's on the coaching. And so that's part of it. A little nugget for you guys from what I've heard is that uh, Jim Harbaugh, 
he is very hard on five stars. You know, his his meritocracy that he always preaches is that the best player, the hardest worker is going to play. He really takes that to heart. And so that's how you see someone like Ronnie Bell. I mean, there's some success stories with it. Ronnie Bell was Michigan's leading receiver last year. Donovan Peoples-Jones was number three. Same time, I personally, I wonder, was he leveling with Donovan Peoples-Jones in the same way where he's like, how do I get the most out of you versus you got to show it to me? And so I, I, you know, I think Michigan's development is really exceptional. I don't mean to, you know, un- over overlook that. You know, their, their draft, the amount of draft picks they've produced, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is really exceptional. I want to say 94% of players who have started at least six games under Jim Harbaugh have been drafted. That's not a stat every school can, you know, roll out there in, in their recruiting pitch. But that's a fair point that how many, how many of their five stars have become All-Americans? I think Jabril Peppers has. I think Lamar Woodley has. But in the last five, 15 years, that might be the end of the list. And so I don't mean that to be, um, you know, dunking on Michigan, right? This isn't meant to be that kind of podcast. But it is something to think about is, you know, how do you make sure – you know, because I think Jim Harbaugh has mastered the three-star to NFL draft pick. He has. I mean, he's produced, I want to say, like 12, 15 of those guys. And I think the four stars, as long as they're they're showing up to work, he can get the most out of them. You know, think about a Devin Bush or a Chris Wormley or, um, you know, like a Taco Charlton, some of those other players. Uh, it's almost – It's almost John Beeline-esque a little mm-hmm. bit, even though he's not – He's not recognized that as that because he still does get a few of those high rated and he's just such, you know, a, a known figure. Um, but it's almost John Beeline-esque, but it hasn't translated to wins as much as it did with Beeline. Yeah, well, and I'll, you know, I don't mean to keep going down the rabbit hole here. I know, I know. We could do this forever. <laughs> the big question is quarterback, right? They haven't had a quarterback drafted at quarterback you know, I mean, Jake Rudock was drafted, but they haven't had a top 100 draft pick at quarterback since Chad Henney. Yeah. They haven't had a first round draft pick at quarterback. You think about last last year's playoff team teams, you know, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. Well, Tua didn't make the playoffs, but they would have if he hadn't gotten hurt. Um, you know, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. How many of those guys are going to be drafted in the first round? Oh, yeah. Everyone but Hurts, right? But Hurts, yeah. So, they haven't had a first-round draft pick at quarterback since 1987. To me, that tells you what you need to know, is that yeah. in an era of college football where quarterback rules everything, they have not had the game-altering quarterback yet. They've had all right quarterbacks. I don't think Wilton Spade or Jay Patterson ever got due credit for Michigan fans because the losses in the game piled up, right? But, man, no, no first-round – I mean – I, I tell people from the South that all the time, like that it's been what, 33 years since they had a first round draft pick at quarterback. They, their minds are blown. They're like, why is this team even being talked about? It seems like <laughs> it's the same deal. Right. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think that would help. You think about Clemson and they couldn't beat Florida state. They couldn't, it used to be called Clemsoning, right? Yeah. They couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't win the big one. And then they finally got Deshaun Watson and he was a breakthrough. And so that was a game changer for them. LSU, I believe they lost eight straight to Alabama. Could not win the SEC West. It was too tough of a division. Then they finally get Joe Burrow. So, you know, to, to your point, Ro, how do you how do you get over the hump? It's probably quarterback. 
but it also comes down to making sure that you're developing everybody at the in the way that they need to be developed. You know, what's going to work for a Jordan Glasgow? It's a lot different than what's going to work for a Cameron Brown. You know, they play the same. They play the same position. They have a different set of skills. And so how you know that's on Michigan to figure out how do you how do you make the best team with what you have because you can't control what Ohio State recruits. You can't control what you know Alabama recruits. You can control who you recruit. So we'll see. They, they, they feel like they have a better formula. I don't know. I think the jury's still out on that a little bit. Yeah, so good news, guys. If we want to beat Ohio State, all we need is Deshaun Watson or Joe Burrow. And, <laughs> and Zach, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the quarterbacks. Do you think McCaffrey or Milton could be that game-altering QB to get us over that hump? Uh, may, you know, I, I wasn't as sold I, and when I saw them in practice in December. You know, when I saw them, I think it was the Citrus Bowl practices. Now, I should caution, it was like 15 minutes of practice. Uh, Milton looked a lot better than McCaffrey in those 15 minutes. McCaffrey actually, I, he, he struggled a little bit. And, but I thought Shea Patterson, whether Michigan fans want to hear this or not, uh, I thought Shea Patterson looked like the clear starter in, in, that, in that particular stretch. Really? Wow. Um, you know, when we saw McCaffrey, he ha- he's had some great moments, you know, against Wisconsin uh, in 2018. I think Notre Dame, I think he held his own, right? But then that game at Maryland, that's the one that kind of sticks in my head where I'm like, I just, it depends on how much he develops. Now, he's got to have had the best quarantine group, right? Because everyone went home and they were working out with whoever was they were living with. He had Christian McCaffrey, pro bowler. His dad was a pro bowl receiver. I think his older brother played QB or, or no, receiver at Duke. So, I mean, he, he, you know, I'm sure he had equipment. I'm sure he had, um, a lot going on, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, between them, I think their ceilings are better than Patterson, what Patterson showed, but it's, this is an interesting time because they have to do it themselves. You know, I think, I think now the coaches are able to command, you know, the walkthroughs, the 20 hour work week or 20 hour practice weeks. <laughs> um, got a little Freudian slip there, but, but um <laughs> I think they can get there because they're both 6'5". You know, McCaffrey's got really good wheels. Milton's got an amazing arm. Um, you know, I think, I think they're both – I think they both see the opportunity that they have. I think they both saw Shea Patterson as kind of – they feel like they can be better than Shea Patterson. They do. And now whether they can, I think we got to see it in games a little bit first. But they feel that way. And so you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that they can't. Because if they're motivated enough and they, they improve enough, they can. Also, anyone who's watched Joe Milton during warm-ups, hard, hard not to think he can get there, right? I mean, you think about <laughs> right. he, he has some traits where you look and you say, man, there's like four human beings on the planet that can do that. <laughs> now, you know, we'll have to see you know, if he throws it to the right guy. He threw a throw <laughs> that was intercepted by a Wisconsin player last year. I remember that. And... And so, so, you know, accuracy, you know, obviously the intangibles, but they're both athletic. They're both six, five. Um, you know, they've both been in the system for three years. There are worse starting points to have, I guess, is the, is the short way to answer that question. And I'll, I'll ask for your short answer now on the, the, the big question that we, we talk about every week. Are you a Milton guy or are you a McCaffrey guy? Oh man, uh, you know I, I don't, I don't know if I'm any 
Yeah, I just write about what happens. But if 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 I'm let me put it this way: if I'm creating a, a video game team and I'm I'm picking one of the quarterbacks, I'm I'm picking Joe Milton. I I am, and and <laughs> maybe I'm selling Dylan McCaffrey short. But I was at Maryland for that game where it just it just didn't look like he had quite the same touch. And and everyone has bad days. I have bad bad days where my stories are kind of like whatever. Um, so I don't mean to say like, he can't be that guy, but Joe Milton, just the way the ball comes out of his hand, the live arm. I mean, I think he, he was telling us last fall, we asked him if he, last time he threw a baseball and he was like, yeah, I haven't played baseball in like six, seven, eight years. We're like, well, how fast do you think you can throw? He's like 92. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Let's work with that. So, so he could be a pitching prospect if it, if this doesn't work out for him as well. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll say this. I would take the guy with the best arm in the Big Ten and find a way to make sure he's throwing to the right guy and has the right touch. And I, I would take that, I think, over, over someone who's the opposite. Some things you can't teach. Arm strength. You know, Ben McDaniels, he might be a great QB coach. I don't think he can teach arm strength that Joe Milton has. He can teach everything else. So I don't know if I'd pick or Milton to win, but if I were designing a video game or, or drafting my team, I think I'd look at Milton first. Very diplomatic answer there. Yeah. Love to hear it over here. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are big Milton guys. So you, you, uh, you, that that was that was great for them well, to hear. Well, don't don't even put Kalen in that. He he's I know, still it's with just Jack you, now. Just me, just me. Playing this side, playing that side. Well, it sounds <laughs> like the answer to beating Ohio State is the QB, and our starter remains to be seen. So we will stay tuned, and hopefully, we'll have some sort of season. And <laughs> maybe we'll see until twenty twenty two, it could be. It could be. So JJ McCarthy, man. That's yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Well, let's move on to our second down topic and change gears here to basketball a little bit. Uh, Duncan Robinson has quickly become a star in the NBA. How has Duncan been so successful while Nick Stauskas has struggled? Fun fact, Jack has officially nicknamed Duncan Robinson Slim Diesel. Yeah, I'm still waiting for for that to catch on. But this was years ago. We're not even (laughs) like, that wasn't now. That was like when he first came to Michigan. Have you patented that? I should. I'll look it up right now. I'll try to. I'll try to see if it's taken. So you'll definitely hear us shouting all about Slimmy D later on. <laughs> kind of well, like Christian uh, McCaffrey's nickname, Derry Sanders. <laughs> oh, I, oh, uh, I have not, but I like it. <laughs> I like that a lot. No, but I mean, it's just I. I, I had this question too because. I I watched Nick Stauskas in at Michigan and he was lights out and it wasn't just a spot up shooter it was moving off the ball creating his own shot passing it was he could get to the rack and then I watched Duncan Robinson also a great player but he not until the very end of his career was he ever even getting to the rack he really, he was, you know, a, a gr- he was a good three-point shooter, but it was only when he was wide open. He wasn't really creating his own shot. And then I watch him now play for the Miami Heat, and it's like, oh, my God. It, they're, like, trying to get him the ball every time down the floor, and he's knocking down any shot possible. So 
I don't know, Zach, I don't know how much, you know, you, I'm assuming you've watched a lot of these guys, you know, mm-hmm. is there any analysis? How, how did Nick Stauskas not pan out in the NBA? And now Duncan Robinson is going around right now as the best shooter in the league. Right. That's still crazy to hear. I mean, you know, can't you can't discount what Duncan Robinson is doing and he's proven people wrong at literally every step of the way and so it's I'm not gonna say like you know I think it would be unfair to Nick Stauskas to be like well, why don't you do you know like what Duncan, yeah. Duncan Robinson is doing is is pretty exceptional by the way he kind of looks like Roe you know if you think about it yeah having, having covered <laughs> Duncan Robinson for three years it, it, there's some similarity there I, I see but, the hair I see I, the hair my, our shot looks very different. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I had a feeling. Had a feeling. Um, didn't didn't need to. You know, didn't need to see it to know that. Make that declaration. Zach's but, a little nicer yeah. than Spath is. This is his <laughs> Superman, right? He takes his glasses off, and all of a sudden he's Duncan Robinson. Right. Agree. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, you know, Stauskas, I I still wonder if he had ended up with like the right coach or the right assistant coach, even just someone who knew what to do with him. Because I think once he got to the Sixers, he was just, he was thrown into that tanking culture. And I don't, I don't think that was good for him. I mean, you know, I think I don't, he lasted longer than a lot of people do in the NBA. I mean, his career was what, six years. I mean, that's, you know, don't sell him short. You know, he's not a complete, it's not like he was, um, well, there was one of his teammates who decided to, he liked drugs more than he liked, like basketball <laughs> so yeah, you know his career was shorter you know let's you know Stauskas did score um a good amount of points I want to say it was you know in the thousands and and but I think I, I think I think he ended up in the wrong culture and he was just in that tanking culture and I think that that set him back whereas Duncan Robinson I think you ask around enough in in the basketball circles Miami Heat might have the best culture in the NBA I mean how does a team that loses Dwayne Wade LeBron James Chris Bosh Still make the playoffs, you know. Still be a, a good team pretty much every year. And Juwan Howard is there, right? That that's it. Yeah, I mean, he's a it's a big of piece it. of it, right? Yeah, and and he's kind of brought that to Michigan. It's you can ask same questions. How does Eli Brooks and Austin Davis? How do they have the seasons that they have? And so, um, you know, I think I think the Miami. First of all, the NBA is a little bit different than it was even five years ago. You know, guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have kind of shown, hey, if you can make your threes, I mean, you look at Duncan Robinson's stats, I think he only attempts like one or two two-point shots per game. You know, it's, it's like Clay, it's like Clay Thompson, where Clay Thompson shoots what? I, I, I can't remember the stat, but I, I remember some ridiculous stat a few years ago of Clay Thompson had like three two-point attempts for the whole year or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there's, there's a role for that. And if you think about points per possession, well, if you can make... 44% of your threes. Yeah. Keep shooting them. And so that's part of it. I do think Duncan Robinson being six foot eight helps, you know, that's, that's something it, it's an unfair thing as someone who is like maybe six foot on, if I'm like really standing up straight on a good day, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can sympathize with this, but the NBA, they're very heightest. You know, you think about, um, you know, Derek Walton, the way he finished his career at Michigan probably should have been drafted instead, you know, it was, he was too short or things like that. And so um, height matters. And, you know, this is what, six foot six. So it's not like it's this colossal difference, but that can be the difference between having an extra, you know, 0.2 seconds to get your shot off. 
or or your release point. So that might be part of it too. I mean, I sometimes it's just luck too. I mean, you know, a certain guy. You know, we I think Jack and Kalen can relate to this in, in high school baseball. It's like suddenly randomly this one guy that you were striking out with ease a year ago. You know, he just gets on this hot streak and everything just clicks for him. And so that might be part of it too. Um, but I, I, I probably, the big answer is probably the culture. I mean, Eric's Spolstra, we talk about Michigan. They need to get the most out of all of their guys. I think he's one of those coaches that he, he will coach players differently and, or bring in different assistant coaches for different types of players. And so, um, and he's found a role, and they're letting him shoot, like, 11 threes a game. I'm not sure the exact stat, but I'd love to shoot 11 threes a game. I'd probably make one or two. So, <laughs> Yeah, we love Slimmy D. <laughs> yeah. It's going to catch on. I'm telling you. But that's the funny thing you said about culture with the Heat. And uh, I know a lot of people, when you know they saw Jimmy Butler – leave the Sixers and go and go to the heat. They're wondering if he could be kind of like not. Yeah. I'll say, okay, maybe he'd be like a problem in the locker room, but clearly hmm. that hasn't been the case. Yeah. Would, I, I not an NBA guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he was, you know, at, in the Sixers for, or at the Sixers, he was a very big problem. It seemed like well, Timberwolves was, before that too. Yep. Yep. And then all of a sudden he gets to the heat and, so that's where, like, I, I mean, I, I really never thought about this as much because, but until you said it, Zach, you know, Juwan Howard's coming here with that culture, which only seems like could be good things for Michigan basketball in, in the near future here. Maybe, you know, I, I hate to project because I, I would have loved to have seen what, what it looked like in a tournament setting. Um, you know, I think ask Iowa fans how they feel about their regular seasons versus their postseasons in basketball. Ask, um, you know, Purdue fans. I mean, I feel like they've won like four big 10 regular season titles and I don't think they've been to a final four. And so in the last like five, seven years. And so, you know, we have to see it's, we're still still seeing, but it, it does seem, you know, having talked to the players and things like that, it does seem like a really close knit culture uh, in Michigan basketball. And I think, Juwan, I mean, it's almost to the point where, as a reporter, we get almost annoyed because he is so for the players. He will never admit that a player is in a slump. He will never say a player had a bad game. You know, he will never say, you know, it's it's just one of those things where he just, um, when he goes out into the podium, he basically has the players on his sleeves. And he's like, don't, you know, don't, don't go after these guys. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I always compared it to like, you think about college players. So like second semester seniors where it's like, all right, well, I should say the top tier college players, the ones who are going to the NBA. And it's kind of like, who would you rather have as your teacher? The 60 year old grandpa type who is very stern, very by the books, making you do stuff like homework and assignments you haven't done since the sixth grade. Or would you rather have like the, the mentor type who knows what you're going through and has all these fun conversations, kind of like a cool uncle vibe. I think Jawan Howard's a lot more of that. And, and John Beeline, as many accomplishments and as, me, as much as he knows about basketball, which is, I mean, he, he knows more on, my, on his pinky than I, all of us know combined, right? But it's, um, I think there's a really interesting, I, I want to keep evaluating it. I don't have a full answer yet, but 
it's, it's an interesting vibe that he, the way he's able to connect and level with players is, um, it's something, it, it might pay off because I think his combination of basketball knowledge, knowing how to build a team culture, and then also being able to connect with players. I think, I think a lot of former players who become college head coaches, I don't know if they have that all with them. I think they, I think they assume it'll be easier than it is. And I think his time at the heat, which again, maybe he got lucky. Maybe he ended up at the right team that kind of trained him for this. So um, that was a really long non-answer, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's something that, that I keep in mind, you know, when I'm, when I'm kind of reading, between the lines with what these players and coaches say yeah and i i mean just one more thing on that too is i think isaiah livers coming back says exactly what you're saying here you know he and he said it in some of his interviews especially i saw with andy katz you know he said Jawan is this guy that is he's all about us you know Isaiah Livers could have very well said, you know what? I have no idea if there's even going to be a college season. I'm going to just go somewhere, work out and try to do my best and prove, you know, work my connections in the NBA world and and get into the G league or, or work myself. He even said it himself. He was late first round and early or early second round after having injury riddled season. He could have just been like, you know what? That's it. But it seems like he wants to come back and be mentored by Juwan another year or even six months if there's not a season, and and then that he'll be more prepared for the NBA. I think that says a ton about Coach Howard and everything he's doing here. You know whether it translates to wins in March, I have no idea. You have no idea. You know it, that's that's to be seen. But I think as far he's done pretty much everything right up until this point with what he's had um, dealt. Yeah, he reminds me of, I think we've all had a boss that we, like, especially liked. Like, we have bosses that we're fine with. We, you know, we have bosses that we don't like, but then there's, like, kind of the middle ground. He's on that end where he's the boss, or for, for people who um, maybe haven't had this, but, like, he's, like, the professor or the teacher that you're, like, I'm looking forward to that class. I'm looking forward to picking his brain. and And you can see it when he's practicing. I mean, he's... He's a little bit more subdued than I would have expected for someone who is an NBA player who's a little bit younger. But he, I think he really connects with the players. I think he does. And and I think he goes out of his way to do that. His open-door policy, I know there's been a few stories written about that where, um, I mean, it's often literally open. It's obviously a figurative open-door policy. But he he wants to be a mentor. And I think that's the big thing. Is That was my big question when he came from the NBA is, is he going to want to do these extra mile things? You know, what's he going to be like on a Tuesday night when they lose a game in some, well, I guess these other college towns are other college towns, but like it's a very depressing chartered flight home from like a champagne or from a state college or from, you know, wherever the Iowa city, you know, it's, it's like 10 degrees outside. And it's like, is he going to be, is he going to want to be there for the kids? Or is he going to be thinking about, how he could have still been an assistant coach in Miami, or he could be a head coach on the private jets bouncing all over the the nation's biggest cities. And I think he embraced the mentorship opportunity. And so um, that's, that's big in basketball and football. There's a lot of other things, you know, with all the, the, the game plan, the, you only play 12 games. So a lot of it's more the off season for head coach, but for basketball, a lot of it is, 
you know, putting the hand on the player's shoulder and, and finding a way to make, you know, say Isaiah Livers is hurt after just returning from being hurt. How does he respond? And so, so far, I, I, I can't, I can't recall a thing that, you know, in that, in that mentorship capacity that he hasn't done right. Um, you know, whether Livers, there's probably more to the, the decision, but you can tell he wants to play for Jawan Howard. And that's, that's notable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of it is about, you know, knowing your player and conveying that message. Okay, well, we're going to transition into our third down topic. Uh, Michigan State paused workouts after a staff member tested positive for COVID on Wednesday night. If this is the protocol for teams moving forward, how can there possibly be a 2020 football season? Who wrote this question? We are having a 2020 season. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Again, I wrote I wrote the question, but I it's just to me. Obviously, I want a 2020 football season. And I, last week's podcast, I said I'm single handedly willing us to a 2020 football season. I'm preparing as I would normally. I'm getting my tailgate stuff ready in the middle of July like a psycho. I you know I'm watching old film of you know, last year's games and, and, you know, getting myself ready, but it, it's just like uh and this is not a knock on Michigan state. I don't think it's right or wrong what they did here by pausing uh, voluntary workouts because a staff member tested positive. But my point is if that's the case, so say that happens and, and that's the protocol for every other school. If one person tests positive, that they're shutting everything down, how can there possibly be a 2020 season? It's going to happen. You know, we talked about it with Spath. I've heard him on the radio. I've heard you on the radio, Zach. It's like, it's if that's the protocol, then there's no way that nobody's going to test positive in the next four months. So if that's what's going to happen, I just don't see it happening. So real quick, um, I guess I'd want to know more about the Michigan State situation. I know being a staff member, that's a little different than a player just because you don't know. I don't know who the staff member was. I don't know their age. You know, I don't know what how severe it was or how involved they were with the players. I mean, this could be a guy that's – they might have shut it down because it's like the head strength and conditioning coach. Forgive me if we know who it is and I just haven't read it. But, um, you know, it could be someone who interacts with the players like every single player every day and they're like, okay – Without him, this whole thing gotta gotta be tabled. So it might be that. It might be a precaution. I know Michigan State; they were under one percent in terms of positivity rate with their student athletes this summer. So they they would be what I would say in in that good position where you know they didn't have because they. I mean, there's been teams that have had seven, eight, nine players on the football team test positive, and so I think Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State. Notre Dame or some of the some of the bigger schools in the area that that have done really well and and haven't had many players test positive so your point stands if they have to shut it down when a when a uh, you know staff member test positive you start to wonder um, but I also wonder would Michigan State have shut it down if they played next week and so it, or is this a hyper proactive let's make sure you know we're we're but you also wonder, okay, does it matter? Should they be treating it differently in July than they do in September? I would argue morally, no. Or, and, you know, my other question too is, 
did they really shut it down or is that like a PR play? You know, I don't want to put this on Michigan State because I think it could be anybody, but I've always talked about, you know, I've talked with people in the Michigan Athletic Department and just friends in general. You know what? If if we're in week nine of this football season and Justin Fields comes in and he's asymptomatic and he tests positive for COVID, yeah. <laughs> I can promise you that test is getting buried. You know what? And, and, and that's not an Ohio state thing. That's just like, these guys mean that much to these programs, you know, and if he's asymptomatic, it it means millions of dollars. So it's those types of things too. It's like, okay, are they doing this as a, as a PR thing? Are they doing it for real? It's everything's just so unknown. You know, how do we know as fans? And I think it's, it's in the athletic departments, it's in the coaching staffs. They have no idea what's going to happen in the next week and a half with a, you know, a schedule, if football is going to happen, how they should be going about it. This is all brand new territory for them. So what do they do? And, and the, the obvious answer for Michigan State here to be precautious about their players and everything else is say, let's shut it down. So I, I don't blame them one bit. It's just, I, I don't see how, you know, I said it 10 times now, I feel like, but I don't see how that plays out to where we can play a full season of football. Yeah, it's um it's going to be interesting. And that's kind of what I was saying before is it's going to be a weird season. You are going to have starting quarterbacks who are out with, even though they feel fine, but like, there's just, they have to sit out. And that's, that's the NCAA's rules. And so... Yeah, it might. At the end of the day, it might not happen. They might cancel it early. They might throw an asterisk on it at the end of the day. You know, whoever wins the title is just whoever avoided COVID the most. So there's a lot of <laughs> potential things here. The only thing that I would say for fans who are wondering, you know, to, to your point, you know, who are wondering, okay, how is this possible? Is is it is precautions like this. If it, you know, maybe it's not shutting down practice, but are you making sure that people who test positive and people who are around the people who tested positive, are you making sure they're staying away? Because that's really what it's going to be about. Because a lot of schools have shown, and I'd say Michigan is one of them, that when they're in this bubble, they they can avoid COVID nineteen. I think MLS had what twelve hundred tests last week, and none were positive. I want to say, you know, MLB and NBA have been relatively pretty low positivity rates. So it's, um, you know, I, I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, preach that they should have, have it or that they could. I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting points have been raised that if schools don't feel comfortable having their teachers in school, why on earth are they putting the unpaid college football player or the, or the amateur athlete out there you know, for battle. And the answer might be because they want to, because they are giving players an option to sit out. But man, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of, I don't knows that come with the, the COVID related questions, but it's uncharted you know, territory. Hope, yeah. yeah. In these unprecedented times. Drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. We've heard that a thousand times. And but, um, you know, I, I, as a Michigan fan, I've been a Michigan fan my entire life and I know how things go for Michigan. And you said something about having an asterisk nest next to the season. This would be the year that Michigan goes 10-0 and 
and wins a national title. And then everyone can, but everyone still can say Jim Harbaugh didn't actually win it. It wasn't a real title. Like that's just how things would happen for Michigan. I like, I it's, it's weird how everything happens. It seems like nothing can go our way. That's just like how it goes. Yeah. Well, as long as you're aware of the rules, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're very self-aware here. Um, does anybody have any cleanup on that topic? No, I think we touched on it pretty well. We hope there's a season, but we all understand uh, the realities of COVID. Um, our fourth down topic here. Um, our partner, Michael Spath, said on Inside the Huddle yesterday that TV partners won a full 12-game conference schedule. Let's just say that that happens. Uh, what three teams should Michigan add? Well, if you're getting to a 12-game, it's all conference, just Big Ten? All conference, yeah. Okay, so you're really there's only really only going to be one team that you don't play, right? So that would, right. <laughs> logically speaking, I would think that would be Nebraska. Um, they're not a divisional divisional opponent. There isn't a ton of history, and my, I I I wonder. I I pref, I defer to a, a, a health expert on this, but is are the bus rides safer than the the flights, even if they're chartered? My thought would be yes, because you can open in a window and you can kind of control who's driving you don't have as much crew it's not as much foreign elements um but my my thought would be maybe you decide to drive places and you can drive to northwestern so that's one you can drive to illinois it's kind of a lame drive but it's it's you know five and a half hours um and then you can drive to iowa city it's if you're going quick it's six hours um you know we'll i guess it, it they all they all stink, right? Because rural, <laughs> rural Illinois is not a not my favorite place to drive through. But you know, I've done all those drives day in day out, and so I guess those would be the three that stand out to me. That's pretty much naming again. You know, suddenly they're playing twelve of the thirteen other opponents. Um, but it, I'm really curious to see because I I can imagine where the TV execs want twelve games, but as we were just discussing, I mean, there's a lot of factors here. And it's not, you know, Ann Arbor is pretty good about COVID from what I can tell. I think there were only four new hospitalizations in the last week. The positivity rate's well below, you know, it's kind of in that 1% to 3% territory. So they would be one of those cities that would be classified as like, okay, they can have a season. Because those are two, the positivity rate and the hospitalization rate are two factors that the NCAA actually outlined as these are reasons to cancel the season. So Ann Arbor might be good. I don't know what's going on in Evanston, Illinois, or in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or in Madison, Wisconsin. And so it might, I mean, 12 games is awfully ambitious. I don't know about what you guys think, but, um, you know, I, I get wanting more money. More money is more money. It's never not more money. But, um, man, it just, that is counting on everything clicking perfectly. You know, I like the 10 game and 14 weeks format because if say Ohio State loses Justin Fields and and um, Trey Sermon and a couple offensive linemen for a week maybe they can just play the next week and they can you know you have you have those bye weeks to kind of help with the isolation now it's never going to be perfect and every you know there's probably going to be a lot of teams that cry foul or unfair but at least you have those weeks to do it if you're trying to get 12 games in and 13 or 14 weeks 
what happened? That's, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to sound like a row here, but like, I just don't see how it works out. <laughs> it just doesn't, and, I don't see the end game. Again, like this is not, I, I, we want it to happen obviously, but it's just yeah. like, it just doesn't, I, the, Trust me, we're hurt by more by this more than anybody else. Like we want a football season. You want a football season for your job. We right. want it for our podcast that we don't make any money <laughs> off of. We just like to talk football. You know, like it's it's all that. And and I'll actually pass this to Jack a little bit to uh, here too because we talked last podcast about you know the schedule and where. Where would you rather play people? Where where would Michigan rather play other teams? And you know, as far as money goes, maybe it's better to play those more high tier teams early in the season. Jack and you said it last week, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I know we've we've brought it up multiple times, and I've brought it up for different reasons. But as far as this case goes, I mean, every every year we want to play Ohio State just because there's always a hope that this could be the year that we could beat them, you know, more often than not, (laughs) but, but those are the games we want to play. We want to see us play Ohio state. We want to see us play Michigan state, um, blue bloods, like Wisconsin, Penn state, Minnesota. I mean, those are really the big games we want to play. So, I mean, I feel like as far as adding games in, I'm, I'm with you, Zach, Iowa, Northwestern, um, Illinois, those would be like the safe ones as far as travel and leave Nebraska out because it's a little bit farther across the country. Um, but even reorganizing the schedule, put Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State in the first month. I mean, make sure you get those big moneymaker games as far as like broadcasting and, you know, whatever it is. Um, division being titles, a schedule, but, yeah, division titles. I mean, get them at the beginning of the schedule where um, it really makes that difference and they have, and they have that there. I mean, honestly, if we could add three more games of Ohio State, that gives us even better a chance we'll beat them sometime. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm all for that as well. Yeah, what other teams are there besides Illinois, Northwestern, that are within five hours? Um, Iowa. Nebraska would be the outlier. Okay. But even, right. even Maryland. Maryland's a far game. I mean, that's – so. Penn, Penn State's a nine-hour drive. I've done it yeah. three times in my life. It's not fun. <laughs> never fun nope no. it, it can be pretty but the drive home is never fun so well we yeah i we've lost every single time i've been there so the drive home <laughs> hungover sunday morning drive home after getting beat 42 to 13 not my favorite drive Oof. <laughs> hey don't remember the game so yeah. <laughs> joke's on you yeah good thing i blacked out that day <laughs> blacked out for the whiteout is that what they call it <laughs> exactly yeah. It's my new smart, smart, my new smart move. Anytime we go to Penn State, <laughs> honestly, I've never been to a Penn State whiteout game. Have you guys had a chance, Zach and Row? I've been. I think it's the best atmosphere that I've covered or that I've been in. Wow! Hey, hands down, I've been to the Shoe in Columbus. I've been to quite a few Big Ten games. Never really outside of that. It is unreal i i tell you what if there were if we could take michigan stadium and make it into that i would that would be heaven on earth for me it truly would i mean it's like i don't know what it is i know it's a night game i i don't know what they do they must like hand a beer to everyone coming in like it's just 
it's unbelievable. And uh, we've been on the losing end of every game I've been to there in a bad way. Actually, I've been to some, some blowouts, but it's still, I'm just in awe of what they do. It, it's literally like we, Michigan has tried to do a ton of whiteout or sorry, maze outs mm-hmm. and it doesn't really work. Penn state for some reason, the whiteout is a true whiteout and it is just like, you, there's nothing that compares to that in my mind. You know, so here's a way I would describe it to Michigan fans. You know how like pumped up the stadium is for like Mr. Brightside? Yeah. Nowadays, oh, like yeah. the new tradition and how like you can turn the music off and they'll just keep singing for another minute and a half. So a Penn State whiteout, because the color is relevant. I mean, every, every part of it is that every, every human being owns a white shirt, but part of it they, they do all wear white, and that is helpful. But it's the energy and the tone. The, the way Michigan Stadium responds to Mr. Brightside, that is a Penn State whiteout to every single song. And even, like, the little first down jingle, they play, like, the Zombie Nation. Uh, oh, that one. Yep. Um, it's like that for, the, for, like, four straight hours. And, <laughs> and their aluminum stands probably help echo it, but it is – I don't know. Have you ever been like so inspired by something that it scares you a little bit? That's that's what a Penn State whiteout is. And so the closest thing I've come, you know, Purdue basketball is quietly a great atmosphere. I uh, was lucky enough to go to the Final Four in 2018. That's that's cool in a different way because there's like 20,000 20, fans of each school that are there. But it's, um, yeah, the Penn State whiteout is something to behold. I. It's got to be like the fan base just deciding, like you know, because the students will always show up for every school. I think Michigan students do a really nice job. It's it's more the the fifty yard line. Seat. I think honestly, what I think it is is it's a bunch of people. Happy Valley is on a cliff that is in the middle of nowhere. So I think the people <laughs> that go to Penn State games are they have nothing else to do but drink. And so, you know, Ann Arbor maybe is too close to Detroit or Grand Rapids. something else you do in Ann Arbor on a football Saturday other than drink. <laughs> well, that's true, too. Maybe we just like to drink. But even the downtown is so close. Like, there's, like, there's so much. Like, tailgates are right there, and people are just, I don't know. I know, Zach, you said you feel like the students do a great job. I'm not saying they don't, but the stadium is so big, and it always looks like that student section is only 75 80% full. I, I think we should we should make it smaller if we're not going to fill it up. Well, they fill it up. They just don't fill it up until an hour later. Yeah, yeah. Two more shots later, problem, right? So, okay, Jack. Okay, so you're going to fill it up with what? More of the sixty year old people that are going to fill in there and be even quieter than the students. Hey, at least them telling people to sit down will be louder than empty seats. <laughs> Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that's a really... It's for the aesthetic. It'll look better on TV that way. I hear that's actually a really big problem at Wisconsin, that the student section doesn't show up to like, the second half. Oh, my gosh. I've seen it. Yeah. like For Michigan, Wisconsin, game day was there, and they didn't show up until... Like, Wasn't it was, it, it was... Isn't it like an 11 a.m. Central uh, kickoff, though? Yes. It can be. That's part of it. Yeah, I mean, if they're I were still, at, they're still at the bar. Trust me, <laughs> <laughs> they show well, up in the third quarter for jump around, though, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's 
that was pretty cool. I don't think it was as cool as a Penn State whiteout, but jump around. I've always wanted to see it. Maybe I had the expectations too high in my head. But, I mean, it's part of part of what college football needs to do, and I'm curious how this year impacts it is how do you make sure fans want to be at the games? Because I'm telling you, if I were a fan, I, I'd maybe consider going to, to one game or two games. But when you can sit, you know, 75-inch TVs have never been so affordable. You can flip your channels. You can order your buffalo wings. You don't have to get up. Yet the beer is like, well, I don't even know. Michigan Stadium doesn't sell beer, right? Right, so, exactly. They yeah, should. It's, it's just one of those things. It's like you might be happier at your price, especially if you're not like a diehard football person. Like if you're like a casual fan, which I mean, most people, most people aren't like us, you know, spending all of our waking moments thinking about football. And so, yeah, you'd rather go where you can go to the bathroom. You don't pay. I mean, think about how much a ticket costs, how much beer and pizza and chicken wings could you buy with that money? Mm. I'm doing the calculations in my head. It's a lot. (laughs) It's almost crazy when you think about what all the things you just said that they can get 110,000 people to right? come to the games every week. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's that's it's part of what I love about college football that like it some of it just goes beyond reason, but people show up and they and they care. Might argue they care too much. I say they care in a very admirable amount. I lo- I ab- absolutely. And I'll say it too. It's, so my girlfriend is the director of uh, game presentation at Michigan Athletics. And it's like, we talk about it all the time. What can we do to get people up to, get, you know, she came with me to mm-hmm. Penn State multiple times. And it's like, how can we get that at Michigan Stadium? And we just haven't been able to figure it out. Like it's, it, it, if you can, if anybody can figure that out, that is a literal billion dollar question like somebody will pay you so much money to figure that out at michigan um but it just it just i don't know it's just the culture bro i've been solving this question over the course of the entire (laughs) summer billion dollar ideas is what i produce every week (laughs) We, we got we got the make the big house loud again series going and Kalen is the the leader he's the conductor of the train numero uno that could work that could work i mean <laughs> I, I i don't know about you guys last year in 2018 when michigan was thumping wisconsin and thumping penn state i feel like that was pretty good like the the volume Fantastic. the, the you know yeah. when they played jump around or they played um zombie nation or they you know i I, I kind of I look down now. I'm very up high, and, and the windows aren't you know they prop them open, but I don't quite get a full sense of the atmosphere. But I was kind of looking down, like, okay, this looks like a this looks like a capital F football crowd. You know, this looks like an SEC crowd, an Ohio State type of crowd. So part of it might be the team's got to be better, right? But I, I think if you think about historically, for so long, Michigan games were presented as this um, family affair. That was like Don Cannon's big pitch was, you know, don't just go because you like football, go because, you know, it's the family fun thing to do. And so there's a lot of people who still abide by that tradition. And I mean, I don't know. I wonder as as like people maybe our age as, you know, millennials or 20 somethings or 30 somethings become the season ticket holders and the preferred seat donors and things like that. Does it change? I don't know. 
but when Michigan does well, I do think the, the volume follows just a little bit. Like imagine yeah. imagine if they beat Ohio State at home. Oh, <laughs> come on! Yeah. You, this is me like Leo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. Like <laughs> that, that's my gift. I, I just imagine like I literally like I go to bed praying every night for the Seven Nation Army after Michigan beats Ohio State, and they're just like. Oh my God! Just going nuts, and that's the big thing. I feel like the I feel like the best crowd we'll get for Michigan versus Ohio State is the second the game at home after we beat them the first time, because then maybe all the Ohio State fans won't travel to that one, because that's what they do. They travel to the game, and it's I mean I may be drastically off here, but it seems like it's about fifty percent Ohio State, fifty percent Michigan. It's pretty close. I don't, I don't think you're off. I mean, it, it they seems get the like OHIO going, and it's, and it's loud, and it's yeah, sucks. yeah. I, I don't want us to, you know, this is getting pretty long-winded know, off we, the rails. So, bro, uh, <laughs> yeah. shut up. I, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's okay. No, we're getting <laughs> off the rails here. So let's try to move into our zero to ninety takes. Um, Zach, I don't know if we told you about zero to ninety. You basically have thirty seconds to do any hot take, pitch, whatever you want to say. You got 30 seconds to say it. Um, but, so we'll let you see how it's done. And uh, Ro, we'll let you go first, if that's okay. Yeah, I can go first. All right. Ro, your 0 to 90 starts now. All right. So by the time basketball season rolls around, everyone is going to be so amped up for sports that there's they're going to need to expand Chrysler Stadium. So what they're going to do is basically a big chill inside a Michigan Stadium, but for a basketball game, and they're going to say, all right, we're putting a, the basketball court in the middle of Michigan Stadium, and they're playing basketball in Michigan Stadium, maybe in December, maybe oh, January. Oh, 30 Who seconds. <laughs> Okay. Like, you know, some Timberlands on and like big puffy coat <laughs> trying to hoop out there in 10 degree weather. <laughs> I I mean, I do it. I do it for the Ohio State game. Why can't our athletes do it? They're the best athletes in the world. Come on. I've, I've got a similar take to what okay. you just put out. All right, Jack. Your zero to 90 starts now. All right. There won't be fans in the stadium, but tailgating will be better than ever. Everybody is craving sports. They're craving interaction. They're craving just anything that involves, you know, getting ready for a game and all of that hype. And if people are allowed to tailgate because people will do it at their homes or do it wherever, it's going to be a great, great thing to witness. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm tailgating right now. Cheers. I, uh, this is like heavy breathing right here. That is... <laughs> That gets me going. I'll tell you what. That that gets me going real good. Oh, gosh, all all the blood rushed from Rose's head to I'm not I'm not gonna say where, but he got very excited with that take. <laughs> I'm gonna be outside tomorrow building my whole bar for the for the tailgate. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, Zach. You've seen how it's done. Are you ready for your zero to ninety? Okay. So I I thought I had ninety seconds. I don't have. I, 90. I did a bad so job. Thirty explaining that it is only 30 you can, seconds you know we can give him 90 seconds he's, a, he guest. No, 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 he's no. a guest yeah come on we'll, we'll, we'll all right well i don't no know if exceptions. i point in 30 <laughs> don't cut him off yeah. he's good all right let's let's do this because i was teasing it earlier um 
Michigan fans will not be happy ever until they stop comparing themselves to Ohio State. I mean, you look at the run that they're on. They, I think it's like eight straight years they've been a top six team. Michigan's never done that. The last time they were close, the telephone wasn't invented. And so they are – just for your own sanity, think about the, the one guy Michigan has a statue for. He went 10-9-1 against Ohio State. Like, talk about the best ever. Bo Beckler, at least in the modern era of, of Michigan football – it's just an unfair comparison. They, they win. They've won 11 and a half games a year for 20 years. Michigan's kind of sitting in that eight and a half zone. Obviously, Michigan should try to get there. But if you want to be happy and you're a Michigan fan, you got to start comparing yourself to Penn State. You got to start comparing yourself to Notre Dame and, and probably appreciate the fact that you have pretty much taken over the Michigan State rivalry. And so I get a lot of people who tweet at me when, when players say thing, this or that. Who cares? Beat Ohio State. Not a way to go through life. If if you do well <laughs> in a, in an I am basketball game, and someone and you come home and you're excited about it, and someone says, "Who cares?" You know, focus on the TPS report due Monday. That guy's not going to be your friend for very long, right? So, <laughs> so just I get I get the rivalry. I'm not dismissing it, but if you are a Michigan fan, you're like, how do I be happy? appreciate celebrate all victories right and appreciate that while you're not ohio state you're not rutgers you're not maryland you're not some of these other schools and so we're not the spartans either you know what you said it i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna take the high road here i'm i'm you know we're leaving the ohio state out but our rival the spartans they're in bad shape and we're gonna take the victory there there you go there you go I, <laughs> I see all the time i don't know about you guys every time something happens to michigan it's like who cares just beat ohio state it's just i don't know maybe the whole I, just beat ohio state thing literally that gives me like aneurysms honestly it, it just <laughs> but i will i come from the west side of michigan i come from nearly all michigan state fans are are my friends and you know what we're dominating the football rivalry after, you know, they had their run for sure, but it's over. Their whole, they won eight out of 10. I think Michigan might win 10 out of 10, honestly, for the next 10 years. And the only problem is basketball because they're still pretty good in basketball. And Tom Izzo is doing a pretty good job. We'll cut this out because I don't want to get any problems. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that ten and zero action. By the way, I like that. I mean, what, Zach, what, you, what, we, what might, we might have okay. to do is Sorry, take off uh, Ohio State, like we did with Notre Dame. Oh, Re- take them out of the schedule. Yeah, here. resume it back in twenty thirty four. That's <laughs> give, give us some time. Give us some time to catch up, and then and then we'll go back up there. I mean, all right. Since two thousand, they lead the nation in wins, NFL draft picks. I believe they lead the nation in conference titles. Like. I get where Michigan wants to be at that level. They don't know. I don't think the the national titles part. No, no, sorry. Conference titles. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, They don't win in national titles. Alabama does, but. But I, I really don't like you coming at us with stats here to uh, (laughs) like actual facts. We don't like those on this podcast, so (laughs) you can leave those at home. I didn't get that in the memo. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, somebody put a timer on me. Let me do All my right, zero to Kaelin. ninety. All right, here we go. All right, Your zero to ninety starts now. Okay. In the unlikely event that we don't have a football season, I suggest that we make a custom version of Madden or updated NCAA, and we make it playable with eleven guys versus eleven guys. We recreate every team. And then every player starter on every team gets an opportunity to play against every starter on the other team. So we've just virtualized NCAA football. We can stream it on Twitch slash YouTube slash whatever the kids are watching. Uh, you're cut off. There we go. Uh, Interesting. Sounds like a lot of work. I liked it. <laughs> Dude, it's just Madden 11 v 11. Updated rosters. So you're saying, so you're saying like Aiden Hutchinson can play as himself. Yep. And and then dominate and then okay. All right, I like that. I like that. Yeah, let's do it. Zach, are you a gamer? Uh I don't know. I, I like video games. I don't play nearly enough to be a gamer. So <laughs> I don't think any of us are. So we're no. I think we're all in the same boat. We're like casual, <laughs> love to play, you know, every once in a while, but not anything serious. Because I that like way at least we could watch a season, right? And the players would still get to participate in a season, whether they enjoy it or not. Man, I could still drink yeah. and gamble. I mean, yeah, I'm with that or us recreating a season and just tailgating while one of us plays. You know, it's yeah anything, I'm, any reason to give myself the opportunity to tailgate and drink, I'm all in. At this point... I, we will tailgate literally anything. Like if if you guys, if there is, I don't know, you know, horse. I saw racing. a little team playing at Vets Park the other day. You can go tailgate them. I was already. Oh, yeah, let's per tailgate hunter. them. Do you think there's a line that we can bet on too? You know? <laughs> I want like over under. Uh, Tommy at first base gets one point five hits. Right. Like, I, I'll bet okay. on that. I swear to God, I'll do it all. all. Right. We're off in the weeds now. Uh, let's go <laughs> ahead and wrap this episode up, right? Uh, thank you for listening to Blue by 90. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at Blue by 90. You can find us on YouTube at Blue by 90 podcast. Uh, Zach, if you have anything you want to plug. Um, no, just writing away over at 24-7 Sports. Love the work that myself and my colleagues have done. Um, also, Inside the Huddle, starting to get back into things a little bit. Uh, you know, we're not in studio yet, and I'm only, I think I'm only on once or twice a week at this point, but um, check it out. It's a fun show. I know, I know Ro got, got his debut there the other day, right? Yeah, these, these guys are next, though. They're coming on. So you better watch yourself because we might be coming for your spot. You never know. You never know. Zach, this is you what wanna... you deal with when you talk to Ro, Zach. Just <laughs> your heads up. So. You want to share your Twitter at all, or you want to keep that under wraps? Oh, for Zach Shaw. Um, yeah, there's. I wish there was like, oh, you know, what? I've actually there, there'll be a couple cool stories in the next week or so. There's some ideas I've got cooking. All right, well, check out Zach on Twitter. That's underscore Zach Shaw, right? Yep. All right, cool. Um, well, thanks for coming on, Zach, and thanks for listening. And go blue.
Go blue. Go blue. We'll see you guys later. Now you coming out the side of your face, we tapping right into your memory banks. Thanks. So click at the ticket, let's see your seatbelt fasten. Trunk rattling like two midgets in the back seat rattling. Speaker box vibrate the tag, make it sound like aluminum cans in a bag. But I know y'all wanted that 808, can you feel that BASS bass? But I know y'all wanted that 808, can you feel that BASS